God's children were in bondage in Egypt's land for many years when they cried out to their father through their pain and through their tears. Then he raised a man named Moses to lead them to the promised land. When Moses said, Lord, I am nothing, God said, just trust me, the great I am. I am thy God, Jehovah, is anything too hard for me? When the water's too high for crossing, I'll be there to part the sea. When the flames of doubt enfold you, I am the fourth man in the fire. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. I am your God, you are my child. Though we walk through fiery trials and though we trod the valley low, there's a refuge for God's children and a place where we can go. Just like Moses, I am helpless by myself, I cannot stand. Then I hear the Savior whisper, just trust in me, the great I am. I am thy God, Jehovah, is anything too hard for me? When the water's too high for crossing, I'll be there to part the sea. When the flames of doubt enfold you, I am the fourth man in the fire. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. I am your God, you are my child. I am the rose of Sharon. I am your strength when you are I am the great physician, the provider of all your needs. The lily in your valley, when storms of life are raging wild. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. I am your God, you are my child. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. I am your God, you are my child. Some call it progress and we must conform or we will be left by the change. New world religion serves the God of their choice, but salvation still comes in one name. The name is Jesus, the sweet rose of Sharon, spotless and pure Lamb of God. Jesus, the Lion of Judah, the promised Emmanuel, God's Son. Jesus, our Lord and Creator, who witnessed and conquered the grave. Jesus, this world's only Savior. Jesus, what a wonderful name. All the great leaders that sleep 
the sweet rose of Sharon, spotless and pure Lamb of God. Jesus, the Lion of Judah, the promised Emmanuel, God's Son. Jesus, our Lord and Creator, who witnessed and conquered the grave. Jesus, this world's only Savior. Jesus, what a wonderful name. Jesus, the sweet rose of Sharon, spotless and pure Lamb of God. Jesus, the Lion of Judah, the promised Emmanuel, God's Son. Jesus, our Lord and Creator, who witnessed and conquered the grave. Jesus, this world's only Savior. Jesus, what a wonderful name. Jesus, this world's only Savior. Jesus, what a wonderful name. Jesus, what a wonderful name. Jesus, what a wonderful name. Well, it is good to be in church on Sunday morning. I have rarely heard Wonderful Grace of Jesus be sung with such enthusiasm on a Sunday morning. That was, that was a blessing, because it does get a little high there at the end, you know, and, and uh, so we normally save that for Sunday night, but boy, that, uh, that was a blessing today. It is so good to be here with you. We always look forward to it. We always enjoy it, and we've had a wonderful time the last several days in the pastor's meeting and preacher's uh, uh, meeting and all that it's just been good and uh, we are we're thankful thank you for letting us come and be part of all of that and thank you for letting us hang around afterwards and be here this weekend take your bible this morning if you would and turn to the book of mark mark chapter number five <coughs> excuse me mark chapter number five if you would and when you find that, would you stand with me while we read the Word of God this morning? Thank you, uh, college and career class, for the song. And let me just echo what, what your pastor said. We travel, we travel all the time. We're in a different place every week. And, and the story around the country is quite honestly that kids graduate from high school and then they are gone. Not that they've gone off to some ministry or gone off to some career. They're usually still there. They're just, they're done with church now. They're dropped out. They're finished. They're all done. And to have that number of young people, just as he said, here and, and with a heart to do something for God uh, is, is not just commendable, it's amazing. And so whatever it is you're doing in that regard, please keep it up. Amen. Just keep on doing it. And young people, you just stay faithful and, uh, and stay after it. The Lord is going to bless you. I promise you. He will bless you for your faithfulness. And when other people are dropping out and going other places and, and doing things that look more exciting and you're here in church and you're working in ministries, you just mark it down. God will honor that. God will bless that. And you will be glad one day that that was your testimony. Amen. Mark chapter five, look if you would at verse number one. And they came over unto the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes. 
And he was, when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling place among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains. Because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him and cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he had said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Now there was there nigh into the mountains a great, uh, unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave. And the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. They were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. And they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what it was that was done. And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coast. I want to preach to you on this subject this morning. Dear Jesus, please go away. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the beautiful day that you've given to us. Lord, thank you for the good time in Sunday school. And Lord, the good service already and the good singing and the enthusiasm. And Lord, it's, it's been good to be in your house this morning without a doubt. Lord, we just ask that you would now use your word in our hearts to do that which only you can do. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> you see, in, in Mark chapter 4, <coughs> excuse me, Jesus had just finished giving parables to a group of followers. And, and then as the, as the day passes, uh, he gives instruction to the disciples to get into the boat. And they're going to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Jesus goes into the boat and finds a comfortable place and falls asleep. And they begin to go across the sea. And then, as you know, a storm starts to come up. And the storm gets more severe and more severe to the point that they honestly believe they're about to die. And so they wake Jesus and he says, peace be still, stops the storm and then rebukes them for their lack of faith. That's what happens right before the passage we just read. And so they're coming across the sea and the storm has come up and he's calmed the storm and he's rebuked them for their lack of faith. And now they're coming toward the edge on the other side. And on the other side of the Sea of Galilee is the area of Decapolis and, and what's called here the country of the Gadarenes. And, and it's, a, it's a hilly area. And this, this particular man spends his time up on the, on the hillsides and in the, in the graveyards and up on the mountain 
crying and cutting, cutting himself and he's been possessed by devils for years. We don't know how long, but it's been a long, long road for him. And somehow he sees this boat coming to shore and he inherently knows that the solution to his problem has just landed on shore. And so he, he makes his way down and it's the, first, it's the first clear thought he's had in years that that is my help right there, that's the Savior. And he runs down there and as Jesus is getting out of the boat and ready to come ashore, he meets him and falls down at his feet and worships him and Jesus says, come out of the man now unclean spirit. He sees the problem, he diagnoses the problem, he, he's fixing the problem right there. And you know what happens. Uh, it, it becomes a, a spiritual contest. And Jesus says, what, what's your name? And, and they said, Legion, for we are many. We don't know how many devils are in this man and are oppressing him and, and attacking him on a daily basis. But we know there's a whole lot of them. And what happens is they're going to get sent into a herd of swine that's about 2,000 swine. So to assume that there are a couple thousand devils in there would not be a stretch. And they say, what well, legion, for we are many. And Jesus says, all right, come out. And they said, please don't send us away. We like this area. Did you know the devil is more comfortable in some places than other places? Really, he is. Our job is to make sure he's not comfortable here. Amen? Honestly, that's our job. Make sure that he is not comfortable in this place or your house or your place of business. Make sure he's not comfortable there. But they were comfortable in this area. And they said, we don't want to leave. We want to stay here. How about you send us into those pigs over there? And Jesus said, all right, go ahead. Go to the pigs. And they went into the pigs and the, the 2,000 swine ran down the hillside and just like a bunch of lemmings jumped off the cliff and into the water and drowned themselves. Do you know that, that the best the devil can do is give destruction? That's all he has to offer. Now he'll tell you he's got excitement and fun and all kinds of things to offer. What he really has to offer when all is said and done is death and destruction. And here they're being cast out of this man. And what, what the devil's trying to do here is find just one more opportunity to do something awful to these people where he is. And so he goes into the swine and immediately destroys the swine. And you would think, wow, what an amazing moment. Look at how the power of God is on display. Now this man is delivered. He's worshiping at the feet of Jesus. He's sitting there talking to Jesus. He's clothed and in his right mind. What a wonderful story. I mean, there's just going to be revival all over this area. But that's not what happens. Instead, those who, those who were in charge of keeping the swine ran into town and they said, you'll never believe what just happened. This guy, Jesus, just showed up and he cast the devils out of the crazy guy that's been living up in the tombs. You know that one that's been screaming and cutting, cutting himself every night and, and he cast out the devils and now, and now they went into the pigs and our entire herd of swine, 2,000 of them, ran down the cliff and drowned themselves and he's sitting there clothed and in his right mind and all the people came from town to see what was going on and they saw the man sitting there. They should have thrown a party they should have celebrated they should have said look at this God has just delivered this man this poor man he's somebody's he's somebody's son 
He's somebody's brother. He's quite likely somebody's husband and father. And his whole life has been turned upside down and destroyed by devils. And now it's all done and it's finished and there's victory and he's clothed in his right. They should have had a celebration. They should have had a parade in the streets and honored Jesus and, and shown their, their excitement about this man. And you know what they did instead? They said, please leave. Please, we want you to go away. Now, why in the world? I mean, this is the guy who just solved a huge problem for them. And they want him to go away? I would think they'd say, please stay for a while. Because we got a crazy guy on the other side of town too. And, and we got this guy over here who's sick. And we've heard you can heal. And, and we've got this problem over here. Would you please stay and bless us with your presence? But that's not what they said. Look again down here at verse number verse uh, 17. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coasts. They said, we want you to leave now. We want you to go away and don't come back. The problem, the problem with asking Jesus to leave is that he will. That's what he does. He gets it. Look, look at verse 17. Verse 18. And when he was coming to the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish into capitalists how great things Jesus had done for him. And all men did marvel. Then you get to verse number 21. And you know what happens in verse 21? They've gone across the sea and they're on the other side again. When they came to Jesus and said, we don't want what you have to offer, please go away, he got in the boat and he left. So that's what I want to preach to you about today. Dear Jesus, please go away. People still do it today. Why in the world would they not want him to stay and do even more? Well, first of all, because his presence there and what he had just accomplished reminded them of their sin. He reminded them that their problem was not a physical problem. It was not a material problem. It was a spiritual problem. And people don't want to be reminded that they have a spiritual problem. You see, there are a lot of things going on in this area, but they had gotten used to the crazy guy in the tombs. He was just the crazy guy in the tombs. Oh yeah, he runs around naked and he comes through town and he makes a mess and he begs and, and, he, and he scares the children and we have to clear the streets and, and, and all night long we hear screaming up on the hillside because he's up there and he's cutting himself and he's in the tombs and he's screaming and crying out all night long. But hey, you get used to it after a while. You get used to almost anything after a while. Have you ever been near train tracks? You know, people who live near train tracks don't hear trains. You know why? Because they're just used to it. How could, you, how could you live near those tracks? I mean, the whole house shakes and there's noise. They don't hear a thing. It's like the most normal thing in the world. They, they have no idea something just happened and you think an earthquake has just occurred. Why? Well, because if you live with it long enough, it just becomes normal. 
It just becomes normal. And you figure, well, I've lived with it this long. I can live with it longer. People who live near the airport don't hear the jets coming in. They really don't. You do. They don't. Because they hear it so often. And people who hear crying and screaming all night long, after a while they don't hear it anymore. It's just normal. That's just the way he is. That's just our crazy guy. He's just up there and that's what he does. After all, he was born that way. And he had a rough start. It's his environment. That's what did it. He was born a little different and then, and then he's, he had a rough upbringing and things were hard. And so that's just the way he is. We like to explain away all kinds of stuff and forget that quite often the root is a spiritual problem that needs to be solved by Jesus. There's a lot of that going on today. Well, that's the way I was born. I, it's all right. That's the way I was born. Yeah, I'm, I'm a man and I, I profess today to be a woman and I might be a peacock tomorrow, but that's the way I was born. That doesn't make it right. There's a spiritual problem there that needs to be dealt with. It's not just, oh, well, that's the way they are. Well, they, they had a rough upbringing, and, and that explains why they are the way they are and why they do the things they do. Oh, oh it, might, it might explain a few things, but the wonderful truth is you are, not a, you are not a helpless victim of your circumstances and your environment. You can make choices. You really can, especially as a saved person because you have the Holy Spirit of God to help you to make the right choices and the right decisions. Amen. But we're very quick to just push off everything as if it's not really a spiritual problem. Listen, it, it's quite often a spiritual problem. Really? You're an annoying, offensive jerk? Not you, not, no. It's probably a spiritual problem. Well, that's just the way I was brought up. Well, then fix it. Amen? Don't pass that on to the next generation of annoying jerks. <laughs> fix it so that one day your grandkids can say hey before my my granddad got saved he was this wicked annoying jerk and then he got saved and look what God did in his life and that's why our life is different than his was amen, amen? or else you can just fall into the same old pattern and say well that's where he was so that's how we're always going to be well that kind of leaves God out of the picture doesn't it don't do that you see, when Jesus was there and he cast out those devils, it revealed that there was a spiritual problem in their midst and they didn't even want to acknowledge it. They had just come to deal with it and think of it as normal, and yet it was not normal. It was a horrible, horrible problem. People don't like to see their problems as sin. And so we call drunkenness alcoholism. And we call perversion an alternate lifestyle. And we say, well, they were born this way or that way. Listen, we were all born messed up. You understand that when, when Adam and Eve sinned, it messed up everything. It really did. It didn't just mean that we were, we were going to have short lifespans and we were going to die. It messed up everything. Because what was pure and clean the way God had created it before now is twisted by sin. And yes, you can be born with the propensity for all kinds of horrendous wickedness and unnatural stuff. Did I say unnatural? Let me change that. For natural stuff. 
You say, oh, oh there's that guy, and, and he molested little children, and, and he's saying he was born that way. Now, I'm not trying to give anybody a free pass, but he probably was born that way. Now, don't, that doesn't make it right. What we need to do is say it doesn't matter what my feelings and my flesh say I wanted from the time I was born. It's sin, and God says it's wrong, and so I'm going to go to God and get help with that. Amen? Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm not saying it's okay because you were born that way. I'm saying we were all born messed up. That's why we need a Savior. Because we're all messed up. And our genetics are not right. They're not pure like they were at the beginning. They're not the way God made them. Now they're twisted and they're scarred by sin. And we have the natural inclination to do all manner of horrendous, awful, wicked, horrible things. It's called a sin nature. And Jesus died to fix that problem, amen? Not to pat it on the back and say it's okay. Our problem is that we begin to look at it and say, well, that's just the way I am. It doesn't matter if that's the way you are. Sin is sin. And so this man comes and they've all gotten used to it and yet his whole life is upside down. And finally he's delivered and they don't want to talk about it because it might reveal the fact that they've got some sin. And they don't want to deal with that. I mean, I'm sure they're glad that this guy's not going to be screaming all night and cutting himself and running through town and making a mess anymore. But they don't want to be fixed. They're happy with where they are and they don't want it changed. They want Jesus to go away because he reminded them that their problems were based in sin. And they wanted Jesus to go away because he threatened their lifestyle. That's where a lot of people are today. They don't want Jesus because he might mess up their lifestyle. Well, I like to do this and I like to go here and I like to be involved in that. And, and if I get saved, well then, I can't really do this and this and this anymore. So it's not worth it. Someday before I die, when I'm real old and I can't do anything anymore, then I'll get saved. Well, that would be nice if you knew what day that was going to be. But you don't. You don't. You see, they didn't want their lifestyle messed with. In verse number 14, it says, They that fed the swine ran back into town and told everybody what happened. 2,000 pigs are gone. I promise you, if the 2,000 pigs had not gone into the sea, they wouldn't have immediately asked Jesus to leave. They wouldn't have. But you know what just happened when those 2,000 pigs went into the sea? Their lifestyle got poked and now their source of revenue has been touched and they don't want that anymore if he just gets out of there they'll be okay now stop and think about it with me for a minute the people on this side of the sea of galilee although it's a it's a mixed group they're predominantly still jews they are and they're still under the law they're not supposed to eat pig. They're not supposed to farm pigs. They're not supposed to be around pigs. And you know what their whole livelihood's built on? Pig farming. Pig, now, they're probably explaining it away because they're not going to eat the pigs. They're going to sell them to the Romans, and the Romans like to eat pig. As we all do. <laughs> 
But that's their, I'm sure that's their excuse. We, we, sure, we, we herd swine and we keep pigs, but we're, we're not going to eat them because that wouldn't be right. We're just, we're just going to sell them to the Romans. I'm not going uh, to drink. That wouldn't be right. It's clear from Scripture. But I'm going to sell alcohol in my restaurant because that's where the revenue comes from. Oh, oh, ouch. What's the problem? Don't mess with my lifestyle. My income will go down by a certain percentage if I don't do that. And, and I know this is the way to do it, but, but if I cheat in this area, it'll be much more profitable for me and I can give more to missions. Explain that one to God, amen? Uh-huh. I'm not making that up. I've heard that. Well, I know this is not exactly right, but it allows me to have this much more money. And look at the missionaries I can support. Look at the things that I can do for God. Well, I'll just go rob a bank for Jesus. <laughs> I saw one yesterday. Looked like they had plenty of money in there. You want to go? No. Why not? Well, it'd be wrong. Yes, it'd be wrong. You know why a lot of people want Jesus to go away? Because if he stays too close, it'll mess up their lifestyle. You mean, you mean I can't spend my weekends on the lake all summer long? You mean I, I'm supposed to come to church? Really? Summer is short. I, listen, I'm from Alaska. Summer is short. <laughs> I mean, it is genuinely short. You, you got from, you know, June 1st to, well, about the, it's starting to freeze at night the end of August. So, you know, you don't really want to camp out at that point. So you just got a few weeks here and you, you got to go do all that stuff. And, and, and if you don't do it on Sunday, you, I mean, you lose half of your perfectly good weekend. Now, I, I'm glad I'm not going to hell, but stay away from my lifestyle. That's where a lot of people are. And some of them look at it and say, I don't even care if I'm going to hell. Stay away from my lifestyle. Don't mess with my lifestyle. That's what these people were saying. Jesus is there, and now he's revealed that there's a sin problem in their midst, and all of a sudden they're double-dealing on God, and their rebellion against God is being, it's being exposed, and rather than deal with it, they say, just go. Matthew Henry said this, being loath to quit either their sins or the swine, they chose rather to abandon the Savior. Quite honestly, they would rather live with a crazy guy running through the streets naked, cutting himself and screaming all night than to have their lifestyle altered by Jesus. And then here's the final thing. They wanted him to go away because by being there, his very presence was forcing them to make a decision they didn't want to make. His, his presence in their midst brought them to a place of decision. A lot of folks are, are okay until it comes to a place of decision. They'll, they'll even talk about Jesus and they'll talk about spiritual things a little bit. But then when it comes down to, do you know Jesus? So, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't want to go there. I mean, I could talk about religion and I could talk about stuff like that, but don't, don't make it about me. Go away. 
And that's what these people were doing. By being there, by, by delivering this man, by doing what Jesus had just done, all these people are sitting there and they're now at a point of decision and quite honestly, they don't want to make a decision. Because if they decide to follow Jesus, again, it messes up their whole lifestyle. It turns everything on its head. They have to deal with their sin. They have to deal with their rebellion against God. They don't want to consider all of that today. So they said, just, just, just go away. Please, please just go away. We can either follow Jesus or we can go back to the status quo of control by devils and the devils sound like a better deal right now. So Jesus, just go away. Listen, there are plenty of people like that today. You can witness to them. They can come to a church service like this, hear the gospel. How that God loved you so much that he sent his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for your sins. And he was buried and rose again for your redemption and eternal life. And if you'll put your faith and trust in him, your sins are washed away forever. And you can know that you have a place in heaven for all eternity. And you can be a child of God. You can go from death to life. You can go from darkness to light. Uh, you can be a new creature in Christ just that easy because Jesus did everything necessary for your redemption and your forgiveness and your salvation. And they hear the truth of the gospel over and over. And their response is, I'll think about that. I, I don't want to, not now. Not now. Just leave me alone for a little while. Not now. And the problem is, according to John chapter 3, verse number 18, it says this, He that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already. Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Here's the horrible truth. To not choose is to choose. To say, I don't want to trust Jesus right now, is to say, I am refusing him. Because you don't have to refuse him. You don't have to come to the place where you shake your fist at God and say, I don't want you. You don't have to do like these people did and, and verbally say to Jesus, Jesus, just go away. I'm not interested right now. You see, if you haven't trusted him, you're already condemned. They didn't even understand it. Already condemned. And the only way to fix that condemnation is to trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. It's the only way to come out from under the condemnation that's already there. You see, I, I can't condemn you to hell. I can't do that. Not coming to church doesn't condemn you to hell. Simply not believing in Jesus Christ as your Savior condemns you to hell. And if you choose not to accept him, you've already rejected him, and you're already condemned. He that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Listen, lost folks often want Jesus to go away. They do. But the sad thing is when saved folks want him to go away. Because they don't want him to mess with their lifestyle. They don't, they don't want him to reveal their sin. They don't want him to make them choose today to get serious about their walk with God. They want to go back to the status quo. 
I want to mess around with this a little and with that a little, and I want to, I'm not going to do much, but I, and I'm going to be faithful in church, and, I'm, and I want it all. Here, here's the sad truth. You can't have it all. You can't. And if you ask him to go away, he'll get in the boat and go to the other side, and he'll let you muddle along on the wrong side of the sea yeah. in your mess and you will live a defeated, miserable life. And someday you'll end up on the IFB survivor's website and you'll blame it all on the church yeah. or you'll blame it all on the pastor. You'll blame it all on the nursery worker who allowed your kid to get bit in the nursery. Or you... <laughs> and it was all because there was a point in your life where you drew a line and said, Jesus, I don't want you to touch this part of my life. Go away. Go away. I, I, have a, I have a good idea for you today. Why don't you, uh, why don't you erase that line and say, Jesus, just come, come affect every part of my life today. Because if you just ask him to, he will. And if you're here today and you've never trusted Christ as, as Savior, oh, oh don't, don't ask him to go away. Ask him to come closer and then tell him today you want to accept him. It'll be the best decision you ever made. I think this is a very sad passage. The bright spot is that when this man wants to get in the boat and go with Jesus to the other side, Jesus says, no, can't do that. You need to stay here. And I want you to go all over this whole area, all around Decapolis. And I want you to tell everybody what happened here today. And how God delivered you. Wouldn't it be exciting, preacher, to get to heaven and find out how many people ended up there because of this guy and his testimony as he's running through these towns and everybody says, aren't you, the, aren't you that crazy guy? Oh, yeah, i got scars all over me. Look, check out the scars. Look at that. I don't do that anymore. You know why? I met Jesus. You know it would be really sad? Get to heaven and find out how many of them never followed Jesus because they were in the crowd that says, please go away. Don't be in that crowd. Let's stand together and pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that we could be here today. Lord, I, I pray we understand that you are indeed with us today. You're here. The Holy Spirit of God is here in your people. And anybody who wants to come to Jesus today can do it because you're here and you're ready. Lord, don't let us be so foolish as to walk away or to ask you to go away. God, maybe there's somebody here today that's lost and they need to get saved. God, I pray they would, they would come to you. Lord, maybe there's somebody who's saved and they've walled off a chunk of their life and said, now, you know, <laughs> I don't want God messing with that. Lord, today I pray that they would break down that wall and say, please, God, come. Come and affect that part of my life. I don't want Jesus to go away. I want him to stay. God, I pray that would be our desire and our prayer this morning. And we'll thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name. Amen. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, we're going to have a song of invitation. I believe it's, I'd rather have Jesus. What a wonderful truth. 
I hope as we sing it, you can do it honestly this morning. Because it says, I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. And if you can't sing that honestly, you might need to come here and do business with God today before you go home. If you need to get saved today, there will never be an easier time than right now. As we sing, why don't you come, Pastor? 474. <clears throat> 
Amen. Thank you, Brother Rogers. That was, uh, that was good. You know, one of the thoughts I had is, um, how many of you here this morning, uh, before you were saved, uh, you, sin-wise, you were more than just a common sinner, okay? Vice, alcohol, drugs. Uh, I remember myself, encounters with demonic spirits, unintentional. I didn't go to any seances, I didn't read any uh, books by any witches or anything like that, but you get involved in the drug culture and the hard rock music and all that stuff and, and some stuff that scare you pretty bad. I don't care how brave you are and big and strong and smart you think you are. You have an encounter with, with demon spirits, it'll, it'll get your attention. And I, I think sometimes in my life as a believer, and, and I can see 50 years as a Christian from where I'm standing, next year will be 50 years. And I've had the foolish thought at times when things get tough as a Christian. You ever had the foolish thought that maybe it was better the other way? You know what that thought is? It's madness. It's madness. But for the grace of God, that guy, in Matthew, that guy in Mark 5 is us. But for the grace of God. And lost people can tell the Lord to depart from their coast, but uh, as foolish as it sounds, saved people can do the same thing. And uh, I just got down on my knees a, a minute ago and just said, Lord, if I ever did that, in any form, manner, shape, or made you feel that way, forgive me, because the mere thought of it was madness. Thank you for that message, brother. Provoked a lot of thoughts. Is uh, Brother Mark Garrison here? I know I saw you around somewhere. Brother Mark, would you come on up here and close us in a word of prayer? So we went a little bit longer this morning. We sang an extra song. We had the Young people up here, and um, you know, a lot of times when I go to a hockey game, I hope it ends in a tie. Because <laughs> that means overtime. Because I didn't come to leave. So uh, you got a little more than your money's worth today, amen? Amen. I got a kid, uh, family was coming home from church one time, the mom and dad and the boy was sitting in the back, and Mom and dad were complaining about the service, and they went on and on and on. And finally, the kid piped up, and he said, I thought it was a pretty good show for a buck, he said. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brother Mark, where are you at? Would you close us in a word of prayer, please? All right, let's bow for prayer. Father, we are grateful to have been able to be here this morning and meet with you. And um, your word is just a blessing. Father, we thank you for all that it teaches us and all that it contains. Lord, I pray for the work that you've done through your spirit in our hearts, God, that it wouldn't stop after the service closes, but God, that it would continue throughout today, and tomorrow, and this week. And God, we would always have a heart that is inviting to you and to your lordship and control in our lives. Thank you, God, for your goodness to us. Thank you for your mercy. Uh, we certainly don't deserve it, but uh, 
you are worthy of our praise. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen.